Welcome to another episode of Living in Ultra Life. And this week, man, I am so excited about being joined by this dude. So the first time I even knew about this guy, I was running the Mel Williams 50K in 2021. And this smiling guy, you know, went, he actually passed me. He was on his way back on the first loop. And he was like running with this ease, but he was smiling and he just looked like joyful. And I was like, wow, that's the kind of guy that I really like. And then, of course, I'm coming back on my first loop and he's he passed me going out on his second loop and then passed me again before I finished my first loop. And I was like, this guy is crushing it. So this is a really solid runner who I have studied a little bit about. And he's not just a runner. He's a triathlete. And he's one of the best in the United States. And so I'm really excited to be joined by Steve Keller of Virginia Beach. Steve, you ready to go for a run? Yeah, yeah, I'm always ready. But thank you. Thank you very much for that nice introduction. I'm really excited to chat with you tonight. Oh, man, it was so much fun watching you that first year run. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to figure out who this guy is. I have never seen somebody crushing, you know, six and a half minute miles and absolutely smiling and looking like it's effortless and just having an absolute blast. I mean, I love watching you out there running. I've never seen you bike or swim, but I I bet it's the same thing when people get around you, isn't it? Yeah, well, that was the reaction a lot of people had for that race because I really hadn't been doing a lot of the local ultra running. Most of it had been triathlon centric. And I had actually set out with the goal that race, I was going to smile for the entire 50K. Wasn't going to let my facial expression change and it was amazing the impact it had on my day because you could every person you saw you would smile and they look at you and their face would just light up and their energy they'd loosen up they'd smile back it was like we were all having the same race just through a quick you know five second eye contact it, it was great yeah it was amazing i i absolutely i fell in love with your running at that point and I've been following a lot since and everything, but let's start with the with the kind of boring stuff because most people don't realize this, but you actually work a real job. You're not a full-time athlete, even though it seems like you could be. So tell us a little about who is Steve Keller and what do you do when you're not out there crushing stuff? Well, um, I'm a husband and a dad first. I've got two young girls, uh, seven and three, and I'm a, a veterinarian full-time veterinarian here in Virginia Beach. And as you've probably seen, I spend a lot of my free time working out, exercising, working with other athletes through this coaching that we're going to talk about some. But um, yeah, I, I got a lot on my plate, but I never consider it as a hindrance. It's, uh, it, I think it keeps me balanced, keeps me in the center rather than, uh, you know, focusing too much on one thing. Yeah. You know, one of the things that it, you know, I've kind of been following you on, on Instagram and stuff, but one of the things I really admire about you is you're very family focused. You're you're very focused on your wife and your two kids, but you do this in a very unique way because you do a lot of training and, and stuff. So tell us a little bit about the way that you balance the family, the work, your faith and your training, all that together. Tell us a little bit about where that came from and your philosophy behind that. Well, everything I do starts with a, a process and it's not something that gets developed overnight and it's not something you have to figure out and know all the steps of the process 
when you first get going. But in my life with having, you know, so many commitments and also being really passionate about doing these ultra events, I feel like if I can put the same amount of energy into exercising, for example, or working out, then I should be able to have the same amount of energy to put into my other life fulfillments. And when you're in the the harder moments, when you're, when you don't want to get up in the morning or when you have to rush out from work to go sneak in a workout and on your lunch break, it does allow you to come back and, and kind of feel fulfilled to then switch and put the energy back into the other aspects of your life. And my wife, she's extremely supportive. We started this endeavor, you know, our, our relationship and our marriage, I was not into ultras. I was, I did my first triathlon when we just had just met. She had no idea what she was getting into. And, <laughs> and she's completely responsible for any success I've had because she's always supportive. And she's at a point now to where she doesn't question, at least I, I don't get the, the uh, perception that she questions where my intentions are. And she knows that if I want to go and do some event or a training day or something like that, that I'll come back and I'll, I'll put the same amount of energy into the family in, in another capacity. And, and I have a very supportive culture at, at my office. I'm the medical director of a veterinary hospital, very successful doctors that work with us. And I do the same type of uh, energy with them. You know, if, if I can continue to, to bring that energy, then I feel like it, it balances out with the efforts I put in through training. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your career running and triathlon. I mean, where did, where did this come, come from? Cause it's been, is it eight or nine years now? Yeah, I was actually trying to think back the other day on how long I've been doing it. Probably started my first triathlon about 10 years ago. And it was just kind of, you know, the equivalent of somebody going out and trying to do a 5k. I, I borrowed a bike. I had never really swam before. We were actually living in the islands going to vet school and I'd never swam in a lap pool. So I took my car down to the beach and, you know, all of our speedometers were in kilometers. So I just marked in the sand and then drove uh, half a kilometer and marked in the sand again. And then every day after my classes, I would just go down and I'd swim and it, it, it was not pleasant. And I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I figured out and taught myself how to swim. And then I started running and then I borrowed a bike and I did my first triathlon. And, and after that, it just kind of clicked to show that you can find balance when you're you know, doing other things with life. And so that was my first experience. Once I came back to the States, I ran a few marathons and, and that was really still just, you know, trying to figure out what this was all about. I started increasing the amount of training I was doing specifically for triathlon and did not eventually work my way up to an Ironman. And then we had our first kid and, you know, the, there's a very good story behind that. I was signed up to do a race. The whole idea was that I was going to get all my racing out of this, my system before our first daughter was born. And I had a race scheduled on a Saturday or Sunday morning. I work as a veterinarian, but I'm in general practice. So I usually don't have to work late shifts. It's the Saturday night before the race. 
and my phone rings and I go, oh, that's unusual because nobody or this number shouldn't be calling me. I answered. It's a close friend. It's a neighbor because I was working in my hometown community and they had an emergency with their dog. And I thought, oh, well, I've got to help them out. So I went up, opened up the clinic, went and picked their dog up from the house. It was a really terrible injury, performed a surgery, you know, by myself in the clinic with the lights barely on, took the dog back to their house, said, you know, you just got to watch them really close because we don't have anybody to watch the dog in the hospital and got home. It was about 1 a.m. and my wife is awake. And she's about eight and a half months pregnant at this point. And she's brushing her teeth. And I'm going, why are you still awake? And she goes, well, about two hours ago, my water just broke. And I went, why didn't you call me? And she said, well, you have a race tomorrow. And I just figured you'd come home, do the race, and then we'd go to the hospital. And I go, tomorrow? And she goes, yeah, let's just go to bed. And then we'll see what we do in the morning. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to sleep. So I, I sat there for a few hours and then my original alarm went off and I said, okay, what's the plan? She goes, just go do your race in Williamsburg, which is about an hour drive, come home and then we'll go to the hospital. And I, I, you know, she's, she's very calm and collected and her thoughts were her water broke early. She's not having major contractions. She didn't want to sit in the hospital all day waiting for the baby. She'd rather just go when it was the time. So I went to the race. I did really well. Probably the fastest race I'll ever do in my <laughs> life. Finished. And usually they say, oh, you can't pick up all your equipment until there's more athletes that finish. We don't want you on the course. I said to the race director, my wife's in labor. I got to take my bike and I got to go. So I jumped in the car, drove home, picked her up. And then we went to the hospital. She had the baby. Ended up being just about the next day. So she was right. We would have sat in the hospital much longer. But that's how it really started to click and intertwine within our family about how we can do these challenging things and still make it really fun and, and enjoyable for the family. That is the best story I have ever heard. That yeah. is awesome. That That's going to go down as a classic. That is so cool. Yeah, so she's amazing. You, so after the birth of your first child, so seven years ago, you continued to just sort of do local triathlons and stuff? Yeah. And so you probably have seen, you know, I do a lot of early morning exercising yes. and training and that's, that's where it first started. And so I would, I would get up around, you know, five thirty, six o'clock and kind of take over with our new baby and say, okay, my wife had been up throughout the night feeding the baby. I say, okay, I'll take it from here. And then I started thinking to myself, you know, she's not doing anything. I could just put her in the baby carrier right next to my bike and I can ride the bike and she can just sleep with the sound of the, the wheel spinning. So that would, that turned into, okay, I've got her asleep for an hour. Okay. An hour and a half. Okay. Two hours. Okay. Now I've got a race coming up. I need to get a little bit more training. So I'll wake up a little bit earlier. And now, you know, seven years later, it's, it's just habit. Um, my kids still wake up very early, so I still have to be home and ready to help help in the morning. But now it's just it's just routine to get up early and get the training done. That is awesome. So tell us how your racing has progressed, because you've done some really amazing things that 
I don't know if a lot of people in Hampton Roads even know about some of the stuff you've done. Tell us a, a little bit about the progression mm -hmm. of Steve Keller and absolutely getting to some prominence in the Iron Man world. Well, yeah. So the first Iron Man I did, my wife and I, we went to Chattanooga, Iron Man Chattanooga. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, still very novice, but I had some training partners that had helped me along the way and I ended up getting second in my age group and qualifying for Kona, which in my mind was just a race. I didn't know much about it. I finished the race and everybody came up and said, you're going to have to decide by tomorrow if you want to go. And my wife and I were like, I guess we're going to Hawaii. And, uh, you know, you pull out the credit card the next day and you, you sign the dotted line and you're going to Hawaii. That was in about September. Well, before September, the first daughter was born in June. And so, and if you do the math, that's about nine months after the Ironman. So it was a very successful first Ironman. <laughs> it was a great Ironman. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we took our, our three-month-old daughter over to Hawaii and did the race. My parents came. It was a great experience. I did terrible in the race from an athletic performance, but it didn't matter. It was it was a great experience. And then I just re it really caught the bug of I really like to do these longer events. And so I did that year, I think I did three or four Ironman, or maybe it was the next year, but I just kept doing the longer ones. And then, you know, I had this, I had this uh, thing pop race pop on my radar called Ultraman. And it was one of those things I know, I don't know, that seems kind of long. But to be honest, I'm not somebody who gets too overwhelmed by the details when I'm looking at something, if it seems exciting, and it's got a challenge element to it. And it looks like something I'm going to have to problem solve for. I usually move towards it rather than away. Awesome. And so I, I found a couple guys in my local training group who had done the race and they said it was great. You should go do it. And I went down, I did it, did really well there, got second overall in my first Ultraman. And that was, my in wife. was that in Florida, Steve? Yeah, so that was Ultraman Florida 2019. Okay. And that was the first time I met the Ultra community. Tell us a little bit about the difference between an uh, Ironman and an Ultraman, because I don't think a lot of people understand the difference. Yeah. So an Ironman is a one-day event. It's 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and then a 26.2 marathon run. It's all in one day. An Ultraman is a three-day event, and you actually rest each night between the three days. The first day is a 10K swim followed by a 90 mile bike. And then the second day is about 171 mile bike. And then the third day is a 52 mile or double marathon run. And, you know, I, I had never really done any of those distances, but I'd trained up for it. I'd, I'd made sure I was prepared and um, it went really, really well. It was just a overall, just a great experience, you know, and meeting the, the people in the ultra community really changed my life. Yeah. It's a whole different community, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So yes. what would you say from your perspective is the biggest difference between an, a triathlon community and the ultra community? Well, I think we're all the same, but sometimes our intentions get 
blurred by all the things going around us. And, you know, Ironman or just triathlon in general, it, you do it as an individual, you prepare a lot on your own and you really go out, you do your race, you might have your friends and family there, but it's really an individual sport. An ultra, any type of sport, ultra running, ultra um, triathlon, it requires a team, it requires a group of supportive people around you. And when you go to these races, everyone recognizes that and they just blend in to become part of that community with you. I made friends in 30 seconds of being in that scene and it's it's just grown a hundredfold every single ultra marathon or ultra triathlon I do it's like you're speaking the same language and and it's an instant uh, connection you form with people because you're naturally in a space where you just feel comfortable to to be vulnerable and and talk with one another and not be so concerned about the outcome and and be more more focused on the process and all the things that everyone's done to get to that point. That's an awesome definition. That is cool. So how many Ultramans have you done? I have done, I did Ultraman Florida 2019. I got second. I did Ultraman Florida 2020 and I got first. And then I did Ultraman Arizona in 2022 and got first. And then I did the Ultraman World Championship in 22 and got second in awesome. Hawaii. Yeah. And now are you, do you have any Ultraman scheduled for 23 or? So this year I've shifted focus to a different type of race. It's something called swim run. Okay. Which is something I did my first swim run uh, two weeks ago. And I got this cold call from someone on Instagram that said, Hey, my name's Alyssa. Um, I'm on a team with Jared Shoemaker and Kristen, and we are putting together a team to go and do this race in Sweden called One Water Race. And it's a swim run. And I quickly went on Google and YouTubed it. And the first thing that pops up is says the hardest race in the world. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. And they, they kind of said, well, you know, we're talking to a few different people, but your name came up in conversation and we thought maybe we'd have a conversation with you. And very quickly, we, we got together and we, we formed a team. And so what this involves is you actually are in an environment and this specific race is in, the, in Sweden, in the Swedish archipelago. And you start at the north end and you swim and run your way all the way down to the bottom. Oh, wow. It's, and so, you know, you keep your shoes on, you run in a wetsuit and you wear uh, you wear some paddles on your hands and a buoy between your legs to kind of compensate for the shoes you're wearing. And you literally just island hop. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. So how many miles my, is this? So it's going to be a total of about 50 K of swimming and 200 K of running. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like fun. But not so much yeah. the swimming for me, because I, I would yeah. think. But that that yeah. sounds like a blast. Well, so last year they had seven teams, and it's by invitation only, and only three finished. So it's going to be challenging. I, I think it's a lot more mental than it is physical. Yeah. Of course, I haven't done it before, but it's a continuous race. 
the leading team last year won in about 47 or 48 hours. And they, you know, they didn't stop. They were from Sweden. They, they had trained on the course, but only three teams made it to the finish line. Wow. It was pretty, pretty brutal. That sounds like an absolute blast. Yeah. That's it, my kind you can of tell how twisted my mind is. Cause I'm yeah, thinking, that's where I'm having to put a lot of work in is into the swimming to get prepared for that. That yeah. is awesome. So very, very successful at the triathlon, Ironman, Ultraman, obviously ultra marathons. You, you've dabbled, <laughs> dabbled in, yeah. um, but I'm really excited. You are starting a new venture. Yes. So let's jump into this new venture, Steve. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've coached athletes along the way, but just like all of us in every aspect of our life, you kind of tap dance around things and, and you can sometimes have a bit of a imposter syndrome or even just, you know, you're, you're waiting for something to kind of give you the title that you're qualified to take whatever leap you want to do. And so I've, I've been helping athletes for, for years and, um, I haven't been really compensated. You know, I've been compensated through friendship and some degree of, of, uh, monetary, but nothing substantial. And it's mainly just been, I've said to them, Hey, look, I, I want to call myself your consultant or just someone to help you bounce ideas. But very quickly, it just becomes I'm I'm their coach there. They send. OK, what do I do next? What do I do next? What do I do next? And I really enjoy it. I've always enjoyed it. We've been successful with a lot of the athletes that I've worked with. And so I decided that I really want to put more uh, emphasis into helping people. And so um, I created a business and uh, the name of it is called Mindset Endurance. And that just basically summarizes exactly how I approach everything. It's all mindset. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's about helping people. It's about getting more people involved in the ultra world specifically, because I'm really passionate. I think there's so many parallels between ultra distance racing and life. And I, and I think more people should, should get the opportunity to experience it. That is awesome. Yeah. I always tell people, if you want to experience life in a little, in a short snippet, go run an ultra marathon, go, go do a hundred miles, you know, go do 50 miles because you are going to experience every emotion in one race that you will experience all of life. And so if you could take away from that, you're going to be better at dealing with all the challenges of life because you'll probably recognize this because it's all about mindset. Ultra is all about adapting. Exactly. Have you ever had a perfect race that went exactly how you planned it? Never. And I tell every single one of my athletes, when it goes wrong, just tell yourself it was supposed to happen. And we knew it was going to come at some point. And now we just adapt and overcome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So how many athletes do you have that you're coaching right now? Right now, I have less than a handful of athletes. Okay. And I want to keep it a small team um, because I have athletes that are kind of in a little bit, you know, some are triathlon, some are running, um, some are, um, some are just want to explore running, haven't even done or signed up for the race yet, but they want to get into it and they, 
want to find a path towards that. So I, I intend to keep it uh, relatively small, something that's manageable. Um, I'm very aware that my life is busy and I also enjoy my own version of training. So I, I want to make sure that I can keep it sustainable for, for each athlete. Perfect. So here's the question I've had an ultra coach before. I would say 99% of us are athletes who were either running or, you know, doing the triathlon thing. And that's not our full-time gig. It's just, yeah. you know, we're doing this because we have a passion for doing it. Or, you know, in my say, if for, for, you know, in my, you know, world, it's because I'm extremely weird and I like running really, really long distances. But um, why do people need a coach? What does a coach do that you can't get online, you know, download a training plan? What does a coach do? Well, it, it starts with exactly what you said. You know, anyone can be an athlete. It, it, you know, you go for a five minute run, you're, you're, you qualify as an athlete. It has nothing to do with pace or time or speed. But for people who set goals, it does help to have a path to reach that goal. And I am very system oriented. I like to create systems that work and build on themselves and, and lead to success. I like to avoid injuries. I like to build solid foundations. And I think that that's where sometimes people have trepidation between, before they make that step or they've made that step and maybe it didn't didn't work out the the way that they thought and and it really does help to have someone have have a second set of eyes i have a coach in my business life i have a coach in veterinary world it helps to have someone that you can bounce ideas with that you can collaborate with they can lay out a plan and then you can give them feedback and say you know what for me i'm not sure if that plan's going to work or actually that's really something novel i never thought of so it, it, you form a relationship that just instills confidence that you can achieve the goals you set out for. And that's the greatest value. The training plans are everywhere. I mean, you can Google a training plan for any distance, any race you want to do. And I truly believe that they're, they're good training plans, but they're only good if they fit within the context of your life and your abilities. And, it, and I'm a prime example that you can work a full-time job and still compete at a high level. I wouldn't necessarily coach any of my athletes to get up at the crazy times that I do, but I do have training techniques that can kind of overcome some of the, the volume that's required or perceived as being required for some of these longer distances. And, and that's where I think people sometimes are just a little bit hesitant to sign up for the bigger races because they fear that the time and the volume commitment can be overwhelming. So that's, that's where a coach, especially in my niche of the ultra world can, can help out. Awesome. One of the keys is, is injury prevention or how to manage it. If something starts to pop up and you went back to owning the process, if you truly own it and you have a coach that is there to own it as well, when you wake up in the morning and your calf hurts, you won't force yourself through that injury. You'll reach out to whoever you have as an advisor. You'll listen to your body. You'll listen to your coach. You'll adjust. And then as you referenced before, you'll adapt. And it's about getting to the start line. You can't run a 
PR if you don't start the race, if you're injured. Somebody told me that when I was doing my very first marathon, they said, you won't, you won't run the race if you're injured. And, and that's how I've always been through my training and the folks that I coach is I'm, I'm constantly pumping the brakes. I'm constantly adjusting if they give me feedback. Some of that has to do with emotional intelligence. You get a comment on there where they just crushed a workout and the comment, they're not too, too excited about it. You have to dig a little bit deeper and go, okay, what's going on there? Is there something outside of sport that maybe we need to investigate a little bit? Um, and, th- and that's, so that's where a coach or advisor or someone who you really trust to bounce ideas off of can really help. The other point I wanted to make based off of, uh, of what you said is that when you own your process, if you get to that race and you go 24 hours and one second, the level of disappointment is going to be so minor because you owned it. You did every single thing. You turned over every single rock that you you could, and it was just a windy day or your stomach turned at a time that you didn't anticipate it. But the disappointment will not outweigh the pride you had at completing the process and actually believing that you could get to that start line. So that's where I think that a lot of people underestimate how valuable the process is. It, it sets you up for a process goals rather than, than putting all the weight in, in the outcome. Yes. Yes. I, I live by a line and I'm not sure who the person smarter than me who said this, but disappointment occurs when expectations don't meet outcome. Amen. And so if you don't have realistic expectations and you're only focused on the outcome, there's always going to be a mismatch and you're going to, ha- you're going to be disappointed at the end. That is awesome. There's so many parallels between these, these races, these longer races, you, you have the ebbs and flows of these races and you push through them. Sometimes you are in the worst headspace you could ever imagine. You thought you would ever be. And then, it's like an hour later, you're, you're on a different race course all of a sudden and you get to the end and you go, how the heck did I, how did I overcome that? And then it just bleeds into the rest of your life. It really does. Yep. So, you know, there's a big buzz around being present at right yep. now. It's, it's like the buzz. It's like the cool word right now, yeah. Be present right now. How much weight do you put into when you're out there in a really, really difficult challenge that you've set for yourself, how much weight do you put in taking all the focus away from, okay, I'm at mile 20 and I've got 40 more miles to go. How much weight do you put in staying in mile 20, moving on to mile 21? Well, I'm not, I'm human just like everyone else. And I have thoughts that creep into my head that go, I have 20 miles left to go. How is this going to happen? When I was in Ultraman Hawaii, I was having the best run of my life. I reached mile 20. I was in the lead already and I was running fast enough to win the entire thing. I, the clouds were covering the sun. It was a perfect temperature. And I looked to my crew and I said, 
we are going to have an amazing day out here. They got pumped up. Everything was good. 10 miles later, I could barely walk. I exploded. And I'm not going to lie. Every single doubt creeped into my mind. How am I going to run another 22 miles? I can't even walk right now. My feet and my ankles were swelling outside of my socks. And so I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I am present 24-7, 100% of the time. It takes practice. It takes training through it. It takes having failure and overcoming failure to get there. But the more you do it, the more repetition, the easier you can transfer it between things. And it happens every day. I would say almost every day when I start my workout, I have to question, is, is this going to go as, as I intend on having it go this morning? And I, and I really developed a mindset to where I just give it 20 minutes, yep. give it 20 minutes, decide, is your body going to oh, wake up? Are you going to start to get the juices flowing? Are you going to start to feel good? The runner's high is all that going to come to you. If it doesn't, there'll be another day, but you always gave it the 20 minutes. So that probably goes in a whole different direction than asking about being present. But I think it has to do with repetition of practice. And then it becomes, you become more capable of doing it in these races, especially the longer ones, you start to think, okay, just one more mile, just one more mile. Yep. You know what, that, that hill, I just got to get to that tree. Okay. I'm at the tree. I told myself I just had to get to the tree. So this next little part isn't a big deal because I already made it to the tree. You know, you just start setting these little little benchmarks to work towards. And all of a sudden you look up and there's the finish line. And you're yeah. like, wow, okay, that was that was a good day. Yep. You have to consciously develop the mindset, but then you have to practice it to where it becomes part of your subconscious. Because when everything's hitting the fan, you don't have enough mental energy to to do the mental calculus and figure out all the things you need to say to motivate you know motivation only lasts but so long as you said it's the discipline and repetition is what's it's now in your subconscious to go all right just a little bit longer a little bit longer give me give me a few more steps and 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 that's a little process goal and then a few more steps and, and so on and so forth that is awesome well, Stephen, I thank you so much for spending some time on the side of the road with me. Yeah. And uh, we need to let you get home to your family because I'm sure they are really excited to be able to see dad and husband. Yeah. So, uh, Stephen, please give us how do people get in touch with Steve if they're interested in coaching? So you can reach out on Instagram. It's stevekeller.mecoaching. Or you can email me at stevekellercoaching at gmail.com. And I'm primarily focused on ultra distance athletes, starting at the marathon distance and working up, understanding that if you have a goal that is, is long, we can do shorter races to get there. I really want um, the ultra world to continue to bring new people in. So if you think that you're just curious about what, it, what could be possible, if you have a busy life, kids, I mean, I think I kind of am a stereotype typical busy person for my age. I've got kids, I've got a job, two working parents, you know, so there's a lot of people who have the same situation as me. And I think if you just want to have a conversation, I can help you at least see if, if things are possible, which I'm sure they will be. So feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to have a conversation in, in any way you want to. Awesome. 
Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living an Ultralife.